The ACB Braille Forum, Volume 58, November 2019, Number 5. Published by the American Council of the Blind. Read by Thomasine Berg in the recording studio of the Perkins Library. Be a part of ACB. The American Council of the Blind, trademark, is a membership organization made up of more than 70 state and special interest affiliates. To join, contact the National Office at 1-800-424-8666. Contribute to our work. Those much-needed contributions, which are tax-deductible, can be sent to Attention, Treasurer, ACB, 6300 Shingle Creek Parkway, Suite 195, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. 55430. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the National Office has printed cards available for this purpose. Consider including a gift to ACB in your last will and testament. If your wishes are complex, call the National Office. To make a contribution to ACB by the combined federal campaign, use this number, 11155. Check in with ACB. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, call the Washington Connection 24-7 at 1-800-424-8666 or read it online. Listen to ACB reports by downloading the MP3 file from www.acb.org or call 605 605- Four seven five eight one five four, and choose option three. Tune in to ACB Radio at www.acbradio.org or by calling 605-475-8130. Learn more about us at www.acb.org. Follow us on Twitter at at sign A-C-B-N-A-T-I-O-N-A-L or like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-C-O-U-N-C-I-L-O-F-T-H-E-B-L-I-N-D-O-F-F I-C-I-A-L. Copyright 2019 American Council of the Blind. Eric Bridges, Executive Director. Sharon Lovering, Editor. 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311. Table of Contents. President's Message. You Can Make a Difference by Dan Spoon. Tour Lake Michigan with a Dinner Cruise by Janet Dickelman. It's Holiday Auction Time by Carla Rushevel. It's Holiday Time at the Mini Mall by Carla Rushevel. American Council of the Blind announces Audio Description Awards. Are You Looking for a Great Job and Career? by Sylvia Stinson Perez. Despite Evidence, Our Beliefs Endure by Larry P. Johnson. Five More Minutes by Nancy Scott. Gratitude by Doug Powell. 
The Journey by Anne Byington Grateful to be on the Road Again by Sharon Strakowski Air Dancing by Anne Chapetta Affiliate News Passings Here and There, edited by Sharon Strakowski High-Tech Swap Shop Are you moving? Do you want to change your subscription? Contact Sharon Lovering in the ACB National Office, 1-800-424-8666, or via email, slovering at acb.org. Give her the information and she'll make the changes for you. Keep up with the most important ACB news and announcements without any other chatter. Subscribe to the ACB Announce Listserv. Send a blank email to announce-subscribe at acblists.org or visit www.acblists.org slash M-A-I-L-M-A-N slash L-I-S-T-I-N-F-O slash A-N-N-O-U-N-C-E and type your email address and name where indicated. ACB Radio Mainstream has blindness-related news you can use at www.acbradio.org slash M-A-I-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. Got a request? Tune in to ACB Radio Interactive and ask the DJ on duty to play it for you at www.acbradio.org. Org. President's Message, You Can Make a Difference, by Dan Spoon The theme for this issue of the forum is gratitude. We have many things in our life to be grateful for each day. The love of a family member or friend, the thrill of being alive and hopefully in good health, the sense of community we enjoy with our ACB family and the relationships with our neighbors. It is this last point I would like to talk a little more about with you today. Leslie and I have lived in our local neighborhood, Bradford Cove, for the past 21 years. It is a subdivision on the east side of Orlando, about six miles west of the University of Central Florida, UCF, and our neighborhood has 300 homes with a community pool and a nice sidewalk for easy access to our local shopping center. We chose this location because of the walking access to the shopping center and its proximity to my work. Our neighbors are a mix of all ethnicities and ages. We love it. So why does this have anything to do with being grateful? Of course, the simple answer is that we are grateful for our neighborhood and our neighbors. But then a funny thing happened one day as we were on the way to our shopping center to enjoy a taco lunch at our favorite restaurant, Tijuana Flats. Leslie and I were walking down the path when a neighbor came bounding out of her front door saying, Stop! Stop! We need to talk! Is everything okay? Leslie asked. Most certainly my name is Teresa and I just want to say thank you. What for? Leslie and I asked in unison. 
Teresa went on to explain that her brother had lost his sight a year earlier from complications from a drug overdose. She shared with us that John was a real mess. He was very depressed and felt like his life was over. He was feeling sorry for himself, and she did not know what to do. She finally took the approach of some tough sisterly love. She told John that there was a blind couple in her neighborhood that she watched walk to the store each day. They were always smiling, talking, and enjoying their neighbors. They are enjoying life. Why can't you? You need to get it together and get some help. Teresa told us that over the past year, John had gone to the Lighthouse of Central Florida for rehabilitation, and he is doing much better. He has a new set of friends, he is using his cane skills to travel independently, and he is doing his own shopping and talking about going back to work. Teresa gave us a big hug and thanked us for being the inspiration for her and her brother. Wow, Leslie and I didn't know what to say, but we were grateful we had played a small role in John's rehabilitation journey. We can all make a difference each day by going out into our communities and living our lives to the fullest. Always take the chance. Be an active member of your neighborhood, church, and community center. The next Teresa or John may be just around the corner. Tour Lake Michigan with a Dinner Cruise by Janet Dickelman As I write this article, the convention committee is preparing for its fall visit to Schaumburg, Illinois. We will meet with the local host committee, talk with hotel staff, contact volunteer groups, and visit potential tour venues. We have already booked one tour, which I know will be extremely popular. On the final Friday evening, July 10th, we will explore Lake Michigan for a three-hour plated dinner cruise on the Odyssey. This is a three-course gourmet dinner cruise on a high-end luxury yacht with the stunning skyline of Chicago serving as your backdrop. Entertainment will be provided by the onboard DJ. Convention dates are July 3rd through 10th. Opening general session will be Saturday evening, July 4th. The exhibit hall will be open Saturday through Wednesday. Special interest affiliates, ACB committees, and our business partners will hold sessions beginning Saturday, July 4th through Wednesday, July 8th. Don't miss our banquet Thursday evening, July 9th. Hotel details. Room rates at the Renaissance are $94 per night for up to four people in a room, plus tax, which is currently 15%. For telephone reservations, call 1-800-468-3571. Note that this is a central reservation number, so please indicate you are with the American Council of the Blind 2020 Conference and Convention at the Renaissance Hotel in Schaumburg, Illinois. Rooms must be reserved by June 10, 2020, to guarantee the convention rate. Staying in touch Once again this year, the conference and convention announce list will be filled with information. To subscribe to the list, send a blank email to acbconvention-subscribe at acblists.org.
If you received updates for the 2019 convention, you do not need to resubscribe. Convention Contacts 2019 Exhibit Information Michael Smitherman 601-331-7740 A-M-D-U-O at B-E-L-L-S-O-U-T-H dot net 2019 Advertising and Sponsorships Marjorie Beeman 512-921-1625 OLEO50 at HOTMAIL.com. For any other convention related questions, please contact Janet Dickelman, Convention Chair, at 651 428 5059 or via email janet.dickelman at gmail.com It's Holiday Auction Time by Carla Rushevel. It's time to celebrate the holidays at the 8th Annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction coming to you live on Sunday, December 8, beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific from Louisville, Kentucky. Lots of great items and fun Lots of ways to listen, a new way to bid right from the comfort of your home. The 2019 Holiday Auction is packed with incredible items that are guaranteed to create bidding frenzies. There's technology and holiday decorations, collectibles, music boxes, and sparkling jewelry. Feast on holiday treats like bourbon balls, a Kentucky Derby pie, popcorn, fudge, cookies, and breads. There's even a special Wisconsin cheese package, perfect for your holiday entertaining. Follow the Holiday Auction link from www.acb.org for the most up-to-date auction details. The auction preview page containing item descriptions and photos will be posted on the website by November 25. Items will be listed on the preview page in bidding order. One item will be up for bid at a time. Item descriptions and bidding rules will also be read on air during the auction. Before you can bid on an item, you must register as a bidder. Auction pre-registration opens at 9 a.m. Eastern on November 25 and closes at 9 p.m. Eastern on December 6. Get ahead of the competition. Call 1-877-630-7190 or email auction at acb.org and provide your name, phone number, email, and the state where you live. Registration will reopen two hours before the auction begins on December 8, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Michael McCarty and the Radio Storm will once again host the holiday auction from Louisville, Kentucky, on the Zoom cloud. When registered bidders call the Zoom number to bid, they can stay on the line and place bids throughout the evening without the need to call over and over again. No busy signals. No waiting for your call to be answered. Bidding in real time. More information coming on the ACB website ACB email lists, and ACB radio. 
Listen to the auction on www.acbradio.org through the ACB Link iPhone app or by phone at 605-475-8130 on the TuneIn app or on your Amazon Alexa device by saying, Alexa, play ACB Radio Mainstream or Alexa, play ACB Radio Cafe or Alexa, play ACB Radio Treasure Trove. Questions? Call 1-877-630-7190 or email a-u-c-t-i-o-n at acb.org. It's Holiday Time at the Mini Mall by Carla Rushevel. The holidays are almost here, and the ACB Mini Mall is ready with gifts and stocking stuffers for everyone on your list. Choose from ACB jackets, polo shirts, ornaments, keepsake boxes, magnets, shot glasses, and travel mugs. Select a roomy ACB plaid tote, an awesome ACB duffel bag, or a terrific tablet bag embroidered with the ACB logo. The techies among us will love the 32-gigabyte silicone bracelets for men and women. They can keep their files and music with them at all times. They'll also appreciate the wireless earbuds, the wireless Bluetooth speaker that can charge their phone, the laser-engraved light-up power bank, the four-port USB folding wall charger, and the USB quick charger. We've got cables, flash drives, and SD cards, and organizers to keep everything straight. Check out our new practical gifts, eyeglass care kits, and techie neck wallets, manicure kits, and phone wallets. And there's our great stocking stuffers, ACB Hawaiian shirt luggage tags, mini mall gift cards, and our mirror and snake cube puzzles. Explore the mini mall catalog by phone on Audio Now. Dial 605-475-8154 and choose the Mini Mall from the main menu. Find the audio catalog on your Braille forum cartridge. Place an order or request a Braille or large print catalog by calling 1-877-630-7190 or emailing mall at acb.org. Shop at the Mini Mall and support ACB's good work. Thanks for making this a great holiday season at ACB. American Council of the Blind announces Audio Description Awards. The American Council of the Blind is proud to announce the 2019 Achievement Awards in Audio Description, an initiative of the Council's Audio Description Project. In conjunction with ACB's 58th Annual Conference and Convention in Rochester, New York, the awards were presented at a plenary session of the conference. The awards included Achievement in Audio Description, Performing Arts Hunter Gullickson of the Guthrie Theater is a nationally known leader in the arts access field. The Guthrie Theater has a strong tradition of providing access services, and the offerings have expanded under Hunter's supervision to nearly 50 performances every season that are each audio-described and interpreted in American Sign Language. Hunter manages an equipment loan program in which organizations can borrow audio-description equipment. 
More than 50 different organizations across the state use Guthrie's equipment annually. Free sensory tours are provided for all main stage plays, and Hunter also produces large print programs and materials for people taking classes who need alternate formats. Special Recognition Achievement in Audio Description, Performing Arts, Montclair State University. A group of nine students in the Spanish Translation Program at Montclair State University work in a groundbreaking project dealing with accessibility in the performing arts and Spanish. These students wrote the audio description script in Spanish for the play El Coronel No Tiene Quien Le Escribe by Gabriel Garcia Marquez for the Low Vision Hispanic community in New York and New Jersey. The script was voiced over by one of these students, too, Vanessa Carrillo. It was the first time live audio description in Spanish was offered in a theater venue in New York. There was a pre-show experience organized by the students as well, where low-vision audience members could touch a miniature stage and key objects of the performance to give them a holistic experience of the artistic and literary component of the play. Achievement in Audio Description Media Microsoft slash Xbox Only rarely has audio description been used during live events that are broadcast on television or streamed over the Internet. Microsoft and Xbox have taken the initiative to make its live, large-scale, inside Xbox events accessible in real time so that gamers worldwide who are blind or have low vision can participate along with the millions of other Xbox lovers. Gaming events are inherently visual in nature. Audio description is designed to provide a media experience for people who are blind or have low vision in ways that are comparable to the experience of sighted people. Inside Xbox, a live broadcast that highlights gaming system news, updates, and breaking announcements, broadcast its first episode with live audio description on November 2018 and has continued to include it in all major live Xbox programming. The live broadcast was set amongst Xbox fans in Mexico City and viewed by a global audience of more than 28 million. Achievement in Audio Description Visual Art Slash Museums Slash Visitor Centers Hannah Goodwin Slash Museum of Fine Arts, Boston Hannah Goodwin and her team at the Museum of Fine Arts provide outstanding audio description throughout the museum's extensive permanent collection, as well as in its special exhibitions. Hannah and her team have trained over 50 volunteers on best practices related to audio description, which includes ample opportunities to practice in the galleries with one another and to receive feedback from individuals who are blind. The guides describe the museum's collection in ways that allow for the visitor's own interpretation and connection with the work. Achievement in Audio Description International Vera Arma Vera demonstrates a strong commitment to the use of audio description throughout Italy, both for television broadcasts and in the cinema, especially through the Movie Reading app. The Artists Project Group has collaborated with public institutions and private associations to get the approval of the 2017 law under which all Italian movies shall be accessible. 
Between 2017 and 2019, Artist Project Audio described 500 movies, including titles made accessible on a voluntary basis. She has contributed to widening the research on audio description in Italy and holds the first Italian Ph.D. on the language of filmic audio description. Dr. Margaret R. Fansteel Memorial Achievement Award in Audio Description Research and Development Dr. Brett Opegard When Dr. Brett Opegard received a box containing 400 U.S. National Park Service brochures in 2014, it came with a challenge from the U.S. government. Make these visually-oriented pieces of paper, brochures handed out at every NPS visitor center in the country, accessible to people who are blind or visually impaired. Reading a park brochure is the most common activity at NPS sites, for good reason. In response to the challenge, Dr. Opegard and his research team launched the UNI Description Project, www.unidescription.org. Over the past five years, they have built the critical information infrastructure, media production, and dissemination tools necessary to develop audio description for national park brochures. Since 2014, the UNI-D team under Dr. Opegard's direction has supported the creation of new audio description for over 60 National Park Service sites via the free UNI-D mobile app or on NPS websites. Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement in Audio Description John P. Scollin John's passionate advocacy to making the arts accessible through audio description in Minnesota is exemplary. He is considered the most important person in audio description in Minnesota and has been for over 20 years. He crafted the Accessible Arts Calendar that is an invaluable tool and relied upon by people who are blind throughout the state and beyond. For those without email access, he voices this list on a dedicated phone line. On numerous occasions, he has arranged for interpreters for the deafblind so they could attend events that would otherwise be closed to them, and he provides transportation to out-of-town events for many who would otherwise have no way to attend. In addition, John makes funding available to organizations wishing to offer audio description and offers training opportunities for audio describers. He has been a consistent champion for patrons and artists with disabilities, a tireless advocate for the provision of greater access to the arts. He has made the Minneapolis community a better, more inclusive place. The Achievement Awards are made to individuals and or organizations for outstanding contributions to the establishment and or continued development of significant audio description programs. The Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement in Audio Description recognizes an individual for outstanding contributions to the field of audio description over an extended period of time, leading, inspiring, or providing significant service to others. Additional information about ACB's Audio Description Project is available at www.acb.org ADP. Are you looking for a great job and career? By Sylvia Stinson Perez. Wanted. Passionate, creative, adaptable problem solvers to teach and inspire others to reach their potential.
Does this sound like something that you would be interested in? What would you think if I said, I know of an amazing career opportunity that would be perfect for you? Yes, there is absolutely no one who would be better for this job or career, and I can tell you this from personal experience. Yes, I have enjoyed this career immensely for over 25 years. I've had great success, I've felt great about my ability to contribute, and I've made a very good living, and so have many others who are just like you. I am talking about working in the field of blindness. We need you. I know there are some who think that working in the field of blindness and vision rehabilitation is not a real career, that it is choosing this field because you could not find anything else, or that working in the sighted mainstream world of work is more respectable. But this is a big error in thinking. There is nothing wrong with working in other fields. We need people who do all kinds of work, and the more people we have doing all kinds of jobs, the better for us all, as this demonstrates our capabilities. However, we also really need people to teach, counsel, and run organizations and agencies in blindness. So if you are looking for a job or an amazing career, I want to ask you to consider the difference you could make, and of course the money you could make. I grew up with a visual impairment, but did not even know there were agencies that provided training to help people learn to adapt and cope with visual impairment. I knew about teachers of the visually impaired because I had one, but I was not even sure how you became one. I used some state vocational rehabilitation services in my college years to help me with some things, and I used the university's Disability Service Center to help me get a few accommodations. But still, I did not fully understand the full scope of the services available and all of the people who were working to help make the lives of people with visual impairments better. But then I got out of college and started looking for a job. All of a sudden... I had some challenges seeing the computer screen, so I contacted my state agency for the blind who referred me to an agency to teach me to use assistive technology. And I found a whole world of exciting career opportunities. But I was still not convinced. I still thought I should find a job as a social worker in the real world. I decided that while I looked for a job in the mainstream, I could spend time volunteering at the lighthouse. Well, the more I volunteered, the more I felt good about the difference I was making. Then I was offered a job there. I actually left it after three years to take a mainstream job, but the pull was there and I found myself accepting another position five years later. In my over 25-year career in the field of blindness, I've worked as a volunteer coordinator, social worker, adaptive skills and braille instructor, program manager pre-employment transition instructor, early intervention teacher, job readiness teacher, executive director, and technical assistance center director at a university. I pursued two additional master's degrees that helped me advance in my career while working. I've helped many people learn to adapt and cope with their vision loss. I've mentored and supervised many people. I've advocated and inspired. I've built innovative programs. I've built buildings, I've traveled extensively, and most of all, I've learned to be very creative and to always seek more knowledge. I would not say it has been easy. I've had to work really hard. I've had to be a real problem solver.
I've had to get out of my comfort zone and be courageous many times. I've had to get additional education. I've had to seek out and work with good mentors. But it has been an exciting challenge. As I travel across the country attending conferences or helping agencies and organizations, I find a very disturbing trend. I am meeting fewer and fewer people who are visually impaired working in this field. And we have a significant shortage of professionals in the field. We still have an unacceptably high unemployment rate of people who are blind. So why are people with visual impairments not seeking out a career in the field of blindness? I don't know. I hope it is not because they do not believe it is a good career, that it means they would have to settle, or that they do not feel wanted. I can tell you I have heard sighted people be told many times what an honorable job they have because they work in our field. So why don't those who are visually impaired hold this same belief? People who are sighted are proud of the contribution they make to making a positive difference in the lives of people who are blind. So why don't people who are visually impaired feel they too would be proud to make an impact? Why would someone who is visually impaired feel they would be settling by working in a career in which they could use their knowledge, skills, and personal experience to inspire, teach, and make a positive change in the lives of others with vision loss? Why would someone give up an opportunity to earn a good living with good compensation and benefits to avoid a career working with others who are blind or visually impaired? Why would someone choose not to work rather than to try to find a rewarding opportunity in the field of blindness? I can only say that I am so glad I did not miss out on this journey, and I hope many of you will hear my call to join me. Personal experience is not enough you will probably need to get some additional education and experience. You will likely need to take some courses or get a college degree. You will probably need to volunteer and do internships or work for no money until you get a job. You will have to be willing to give up government benefits, but I promise there are opportunities. There are positions in clerical and administration, teaching positions such as adaptive skills instructors or vision rehabilitation therapists, assistive technology instructors, orientation and mobility specialists, social workers and counselors, and even agency directors. Now, if you are not interested in a career but are looking for a way to make a positive difference, as a volunteer you are still in high demand. We need people who will develop and run peer support groups, provide community outreach about services and training to newly visually impaired people, advocates, fundraisers, and all types of other things that help people and agencies make a positive difference in the lives of people who are blind and visually impaired. To learn more, contact your local blindness agency, your local, state, or national ACB chapter, or contact me directly at SSP258 at MSSTATE.edu. Despite Evidence, Our Beliefs Endure by Larry P. Johnson. Reprinted from the San Antonio Express News, September 7, 2019. Editor's Note Larry Johnson is an author and inspirational, motivational speaker. He is available for luncheons, small group programs, or conferences. Contact him by email at 
L-A-R-J-O, numeral 1, at P-R-O-D-I-G-Y dot net, or visit his website, www.mexicobytouch dot com. End of note. If we accept climate change is real, then we might have to change our lifestyle. It may be easier to confirm our biases and reject science. Why do we believe what we believe? Much of what we believe comes from people we trust. Our friends, associates, families, religious or political leaders, and social media. We believe what they tell us to because we trust their honesty, their judgment, and the reliability of their information. It allows us to confidently accept and defend opinions, ideas, policies, and positions without having to personally examine the facts or their origin. It saves time. Then, once we have chosen to believe something, we stick with it. We develop blind spots. We don't look at information objectively. We pick out those bits of data that confirm our prejudices and dismiss any data that contradict our beliefs. This is called confirmation bias, a term coined by English psychologist Peter Wason. It is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms one's pre-existing beliefs or hypotheses. The effect is stronger for desired outcomes, emotionally charged issues, and deeply entrenched beliefs. Human beings are not often the objective, rational creatures we like to think we are. Psychologists say one of the most frequent ways information processing and decision-making becomes distorted is through confirmation bias. Psychologists give the example of the denial of global warming or the discrediting of its science as important examples of this phenomenon. People process scientific information about climate change to conform to their pre-existing beliefs. Accepting climate change is true would mean accepting unpleasant environmental consequences and could result in causing people to make significant changes in their lifestyles. Changing one's mind and changing one's lifestyle are extremely hard. We would rather stay with our beliefs. Psychologists suggest when we want a certain idea or concept to be true, we talk ourselves into believing it to be true. This causes us to stop seeking information when the evidence gathered at that point confirms the views or prejudices we would like to be true. We embrace all information that confirms our view while ignoring or rejecting information that casts any doubt on it. Once we lock into one way of thinking, we lock out all other options, and we build an emotional attachment to that way of thinking. Columbus had to convince a lot of people the world was not flat. We manipulate our perceptions to support our opinion. If I see my children as wonderful, well-behaved, perfect ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to believe teachers, neighbors, or the police if they tell me differently. Even if clear evidence is brought to my attention, I will rationalize it by claiming they had to have been influenced by the bad example of some other kids. Similarly, if we are told by a source we trust that the Russians did not attempt to meddle in our 2016 elections, we will hold firmly to that idea, despite any evidence to the contrary. 
but blindly believing the opinions or pronouncements of others or stubbornly holding on to an idea or viewpoint because so-and-so said it was so can lead to making wrong decisions, following the wrong leaders, or compromising our moral values. And that's how I see it. Five More Minutes by Nancy Scott Editor's Note Nancy Scott's over 800 essays and poems have appeared in magazines, literary journals, anthologies, newspapers, and as audio commentaries. Her latest chapbook appears on Amazon, The Almost ABC Darian. She won first prize in the 2009 International Onkyo Braille Essay Contest. Recent work appears in Black Fox Literary Magazine, the ACB Braille Forum, Chrysanthemum, Kaleidoscope, One Sentence Poems, and Word Gathering. End of note. Sometimes it's like the country song. You really want five more minutes to kiss someone, to say goodbye, to be in that place. But sometimes... Tonight I am presenting a Sunday Writer's Workshop to the Behind Our Eyes telephone group. Behind Our Eyes is an organization of writers with disabilities. I know the drill, caffeine, and just enough nerves to be up for performance. I've scripted the presentation so I can read from Braille notes or ignore my planned words. This is a permission-writing workshop. I tell them what to write, although I suggest ignoring my prompts in favor of their intuitions. And I tell them when to write. They will happily, maybe, get their fingers moving. Most folks are visually impaired or blind. Writing will be noisy. Braille writers, buzzing Braille displays, talking computers and voices from Perfect Paul to Samantha. Everyone must mute their phones if they are going to write. I have to mute mine, too, because I'm using a talking count-up timer. I've been a published author for 36 years, and I've been on both sides of such exercises. A facilitator in a long-ago phone writing group commanded, Write about which Monopoly piece you'd like to be. Five minutes. Phone muted, paper inserted in Braille writer, but I didn't remember what the real Monopoly pieces were. I thought, top hat, and I knew there were houses. I didn't want to be a house. Something bigger? A castle. And I was off writing my stellar universe. The five minutes flew by. I needed more time when the taskmaster said, come back. I unmuted because, of course, I would read my piece back. It was clever, maybe not, but I only had five minutes. I was thankful to my muse because there were a few good phrases in the four paragraphs I wrote. In this telephone conference, I am the taskmaster. Write about middle school or about an art supply like chalk or Play-Doh or crayons. See whether you are more prompted by time or by things. Five minutes. We all mute and I push timer buttons. I almost immediately imagine that my writers have gone off for a snack, fallen asleep, or that the phone system will never reconnect us, ever. What will I do? How will I explain disconnecting the whole conference? Will they like the prompt? Will the timer work? It's only three minutes, twelve seconds. I can't unmute myself to tell them they have one minute left. How can there be so much tortured time till four minutes? Amazingly, they all come back, some just after my one-minute warning, some right around the five minutes, a few perhaps a minute or so later. 
I am ridiculously relieved. People read what they have written, especially those who used Braille. I confess my unease with their five minutes, but we do it again. This time, I read a poem of mine called Trees for Poems. If you'd like to read the poem, it is available at w-o-r-d-g-a-t-h-e-r-i-n-g dot com. The web address is t-i-n-y-u-r-l dot c-o-m slash y-x-u numeral 2 m numeral 7 j-l. They will write beginning with whatever phrase or idea from the poem interests them. Mute the phones five minutes. I have such power. We vanish. I fret and sweat and wish them back from the absolute silence. Two minutes, 32 seconds. I was just lucky the first time. My poem says, I want the towering craft of after. Four minutes. I unmute from the abyss. Please come back, Alice says. You are not alone. In this exercise, most people write from a literal image and not from my metaphor. People read about bark and leaves and blind women climbing. The literal responses surprise me. Perhaps I like metaphor too much. I have done workshops with actual people in a room. They scribbled and crossed things out and moved in their chairs and clicked computer keys. Even though I couldn't see them, they never disappeared. My last exercise is sensory. Write about the softest thing you've ever touched or write what you wish to hear outside your window. Three minutes. I would want Robbins and the ice cream truck looping a portion of Pop Goes the Weasel, but summer is seven months from this slice of hissing cold. One more minute, I happily announce, and there they are again, eager to read. Afterwards, I suggest other prompts without letting them go play. What if I say, lesser virgin? Or, he gambles and comes home broke, but finds one chip he forgot. He throws the chip out his fifth floor window. What happens to the chip? And then it is time to end this. I have survived the dread of technology and retribution. We each have survived an hour and a half of something, but we each have lived it through very different sounds and silences and thoughts. That's how writing happens. Magic, gratitude, and perseverance. For more information, visit B-E-H-I-N-D-O-U-R-E-Y-E-S dot org. Gratitude by Doug Powell Gratitude is the theme of this issue of the ACB Braille Forum, but the deadline for articles is one day after our 46th wedding anniversary, so I've taken the opportunity to cover both. The details of your situation will be different, but I needed to say what follows for Carol, for me, and, if I did it right, for some of you. I apologize in advance for any errors of omission. Carol and I met on October 20, 1970, at Lafayette College, the college on the hill, a.k.a. the dump on the hump. For some reason, she didn't run away when, the following spring, I basically flunked out because I read too slowly to keep up with my classes. We knew I had retinitis pigmentosa, but we didn't fully know what that was going to mean for the rest of our lives. 
We also didn't have the Rehabilitation Act, and I didn't know about vocational rehabilitation agencies, wall-and-sack tape recorders, or screen readers. She stood by me during my dropout year and my getting into Indiana University by the seat of my pants. At IU, I asked her to marry me using Paul Simon's words from the song America. Let us be lovers and marry our fortunes together. She said yes, and a little more than a year after we got married, we celebrated her induction into the Merit-Based Fraternity for Education Majors as I celebrated my induction into Phi Beta Kappa at our graduation. Carol has stood by me as we've, mostly her, raised two great kids. She stood by me as I got forced out of my career work because my eyesight was deteriorating faster than assistive technology was progressing. And we both took part-time jobs so our kids would graduate from college without student loan debt. Somehow the kids got the idea to do what they love and the money would follow. The second part of that hasn't worked out as well as we would hope, but we stand together to celebrate their triumphs and anguish together at their tribulations. Carol has stood by me for grand adventures like living in France for a year when the kids were six and twelve years old, to small adventures like trying to get access to my mother's accounts so we or she could manage her finances. Carol does the finances, cooking, shopping, yard upkeep, a bulk of the transporting, travel, and fun planning, and I do the laundry and try to love her enough to make up the difference. She stands by me while I do triathlons and try to make the world a better place for people who are blind or have low vision. In the words of the band, If I spring a leak, she mends me. I don't have to speak, she defends me. She's the worst sighted guide ever, but she still laughs at my jokes. We all have people around us who deserve tribute for helping us live the kinds of fulfilling, satisfying lives we live. So I express here my gratitude to Carol for almost a half-century of being my wife, my partner, my friend, my lover, and my caretaker. At our wedding, the band was too lazy to learn the carpenter's song, Maybe It's You, so we danced our first dance to Theme from a Summer Place. But a few years later, Orleans came out with a song that has become our song, You're still the one I want to talk to in bed, still the one that turns my head. We're still having fun, and you're still the one. Do you have someone who would love to hear a similar expression of gratitude? The Journey by Anne Byington As a college student, I was enthralled with a poster which proclaimed, It is better to travel hopefully than to arrive. In June of this year, I was suffering with a urinary tract infection. I tried the cranberry herbal remedy, unsweetened juice which tasted nasty, pills, etc., to no avail. I finally went to the doctor for antibiotics twice, but they weren't even touching my symptoms. After a call to my doctor, I went to the emergency room at a local hospital for the first time in my life. To shorten the story a bit, after discovering a frightfully low hemoglobin, I received two units of blood, antibiotics for the UTI and fluids. And since there was an unexplained blood loss, an endoscopy and colonoscopy were in order. That meant drinking as much as I could of a huge jug of awful-tasting stuff and making repeated trips to the bathroom. 
Since I was in the progressive care unit, I was wired with heart monitor, blood pressure gauge, IV pole, and God knows what else, and I had to be accompanied by a nurse. The colonoscopy revealed a mass, which I was later told nearly occluded the bowel and was the size of a squashed peach, which had to be removed. Without going into more gory detail, I had yet another colonoscopy in five days, followed by surgery to remove the mass, 24 lymph nodes, and 40% of my colon. Michael says that now I have a semicolon. Fortunately, today's surgery involves laparoscopes, so I had three tiny incisions and a longer one, which is nothing compared to the J-shaped scar I have from a much earlier gallbladder surgery in 1981. As far as I know, I had followed the recommended timetable for colonoscopy exams. To address my shortness of breath after walking less than a block, I had had a heart ultrasound and a pulmonary function test. I was told I needed to lose weight. Wow, I think I already knew that. My point in sharing all of this is twofold. Pay attention to what your body is telling you and be your own advocate with your doctor. I should have been pushier with my doctor when the test results were negligible. Get pushy and demand a better explanation than the need to lose weight. My journey isn't quite over yet. Because of the size of the mass, the fact that it had grown into the colon wall, and that two genes in a group studied had been deleted, I began chemotherapy on August 5th. I had been surgically fitted with a port having a tube into a vein in my neck. The port and tubing are housed under the skin, allowing a single needle stick for the chemotherapy. This includes steroids, which in my case make me hungry all the time, and two other drugs— when I leave the hospital, after all but the last drug, I wear a pump in a pocket fastened to a belt I can wear around my waist under my clothes. I go back to the hospital 46 hours later to have it disconnected. The schedule has created some transportation issues, as I never know how long the chemo day is going to take. There are 18 chairs in the infusion area, and they are usually always filled. I am grateful for the excellent care I have received at all points during this journey. Doctors, nurses, aides, receptionists, and many others I don't know have made a frightening experience much more bearable. I have had wonderful support and many prayers from my family, my church family, and countless friends, including many forum readers. I am fairly certain I will survive this cancer. However, I am all too aware that many people are not so blessed. My gratefully offered advice is to pay attention to your body, and if you don't get sensible answers from the healthcare system, get pushy. Cancer can only be cured if it is caught very early in the process. I conclude this discussion with yet another heartfelt thank you to everyone who has prayed and helped me in many countless ways. Grateful to be on the road again by Sharon Strakowski how many times have you seethed with jealousy, as I have, about your friend driving off in the car without a care in the world just because she wants to and can? No prior planning, perhaps no intended destination, just plain roaming around with a fun stop here and there. And then there's us public transportation users, with all the craziness and inconsistency of the transportation system, the need for planning, and the effort it all takes. But wait! 
Within the context of this ever-changing complex system with many links, there are so many times that I have given thanks. For just plain getting from A to B after a long day in the airport. For a funny conversation with a cab or Uber driver that lightened my day. For the enduring friendships with paratransit drivers who are family after so many years. I feel myself to be part of a large web of imperfect and mostly helpful people who are all engaged in being on a journey, whether to work, school, medical, or fun places. I have been able to be a listener to strangers in a way that we all can do when the stakes are low with anonymity. I have heard wonderful stories of courage and patience and have, for a while at least, entered into someone else's story. And yes, being blind has given me the opportunity to receive help from someone who needed to give it, even when my dignity suffered a bit. Naturally, these interactions are mostly understood upon reflection and on the fly, and not every foray into the world on public transportation is comfortable and fun. Yet, on balance, I am grateful that I have had so many enriching experiences and am still here to talk about them. Now, bring on the self-driving car! Air Dancing Dedicated to the historic carousel located in Playland Park, Rye, New York. Under latticed dome abides a steed on brass pole tether. Carnival jewels adorn a saddle of faded leather. Black forest songs are performed by tin men donned in hose, seen at a glance as I whirl past round breezes stirring my clothes. I recreate what age has chased by riding beside my child. Joyful smiles emanate as we prance aloft for miles. Carousel, I knew not your circular deceptions, causing my eyes to tear from windy reflections. I, my child, meek and mild, meshed in imagination, whirling, urging our horses toward unknown destinations. As our ride concludes, we gratefully pat our steeds. This experience, simple and sweet, is all my child needs to transform experiences into memories. Anne Chapetta. Affiliate News News from ACB Diabetics in Action the ACB Diabetics in Action affiliate has been hard at work continually trying to improve. We continue to hold our discussion calls on the second Wednesday of each month at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. To join the call, dial 515-604-9387 and use access code 694958. We have been having speakers come and talk about topics that members have stated they would like to hear more on. Please join us. If you have a topic you'd like information on, let us know. By the time you read this, we should be well into our fundraiser event, which is a joint effort with Tupperware. Tupperware has selected items from the catalog for which ACBDA will receive 40% of the sales on these items. You can choose anything from the entire catalog. This would be a great way to order Christmas gifts or items for yourself. All orders are shipped directly to you or the person you would like it shipped to, and payments can be made by credit card when you place your order. 
For more information, contact D. Clayton via email. D-E-E-C-L-A-Y-T-O-N, numeral 1, at G-M-A-I-L dot com. Or Becky Dunkerson, B-E-C-C-A-L-O-U, numerals 1202, at AOL.com. Numerals. If you wish to join ACBDA or renew your membership for 2020, there's no time like the present. Dues are $10. In addition to speakers and monthly discussions, we have a quarterly newsletter that is sent only to members. You may pay by check or by PayPal. To do so, go to our website, acbda.org, and select the membership link. If you have questions or need help to renew your membership, contact Mike Godino at M-G-O-D-I-N-O, numerals 125, at G-M-A-I-L dot com, or D. Clayton, D-E-E-C-L-A-Y-T-O-N, numeral 1, at G-M-A-I-L dot com. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Games with Ralph, Volume 2 If you enjoyed Games with Ralph, the Braille Revival League has a real treat for you. BRL has developed a new volume of Games with Ralph, Volume 2, which consists of nine Braille games. All proceeds from the purchase of this booklet go directly to the Braille Revival League. The nine games in this booklet are referred to as innings, and each game or inning is on a sheet unto itself. The answers are also on separate pages. Inning Keys 1. Scrambled Bird Names Unscramble the letters to find the bird. 2. Numerical uses a standard telephone keypad, numbers 2 through 9, so translate those numbers into a word. Each answer will have two Braille contractions. 3. Four-letter word sweep. There are four four four-letter words for each clue. Take one letter from each word, thereby creating a four-letter word answer appropriate to the clue. 4. Phobias. Figure out these phobias. 5. All numbers. Just figure out the answers to this inning. 6. Two-word tango. There are two clues for each answer. 7. The White House. See what you know about the women and men who lived there. 8. Bible anagrams. Unscramble these names from the Bible. 9. Rivers and lakes. See what you know about these rivers and lakes. To purchase a games booklet, contact BRL's treasurer, Jane Corona, at... 301-598-2131. The cost for one booklet is $10. Or you may purchase Volumes 1 and 2 for $15. Thanks again for your support of the Braille Revival League. Ohio and Indiana to Hold Joint Convention Join ACB Ohio and ACB of Indiana in Columbus, Ohio at the Crown Plaza North Hotel for this year's state convention taking place November 15 through 17. We will begin with a pre-convention tour of the Ohio State House. This year's theme is Breaking Down Barriers and speakers and workshops will reflect that theme.
Reserve a room at 614-885-1885 using group code BLI. Passings We honor here members, friends, and supporters of the American Council of the Blind who have impacted our lives in many wonderful ways. If you would like to submit a notice for this column, please include as much of the following information as possible. Name, first, last, maiden, if appropriate. City of residence, upon passing. State or province of residence, upon passing. Other cities, states, or countries of residence places where other blind people may have known this person. Occupation. Date of death. Day, if known. Month. Year. Age. ACB affiliation. Local, state, or special interest affiliates or national committees. Deaths that occurred more than six months ago cannot be reported in this column. Mary Jane Owen, June 8, 1929, to July 14, 2019. Reprinted from The Washington Post, August 24, 2019. Mary Jane McEwen Owen, longtime peace activist and advocate for disabled rights, died at 90 on July 14, 2019, at her home in Washington. Born in Illinois to parents who were both Methodist Episcopal ministers and raised in a family with feminist values, Owen developed a lifelong resume of political and personal accomplishment that began as a young woman. Even before her graduate studies at University of California, Berkeley, she was active in support of the Congress of Racial Equality, the free speech movement, the efforts to build People's Park, and to end the war in Vietnam. During her tenure as a faculty member in the sociology department at Berkeley, she lost her sight and consequently marshaled her energies into work for universal accessibility and dignity for disabled Americans, first in California and ultimately in Washington, D.C., where she worked with others to advance Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act and testified before Congress in support of the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Although she regained partial sight during the 1990s, Mary Jane began using a wheelchair, which became a source of freedom for her spirit to travel the neighborhood. She remained a passionate and undaunted worker for progressive causes. Her Adams Morgan community, the DuPont Circle Village, open to diverse religious beliefs including Islam and as a mentor to many, believing in the good of her neighbors and friends. In the 90s, she was the executive director of the National Catholic Office for Persons with Disabilities. She was also a contributor to the Braille Forum, writing such pieces as, Is There a Cost to Civil Rights? Some Essential Nonsense About Dollars and Cents, July 1992. Accessibility, a compilation, I'll fake it till we make it, but how long will it take? May 1993. Health Reform, What's Not to Like, May 1994. Still Faking It, August 1994. We Have to Keep on Keeping on, May 1995. And When Does the Deception End, December 1995, among others. I'll Fake It Till We Make It won her the Ned E. Freeman Excellence in Writing Award in 1994. She was predeceased by her daughter, India, and is survived by a cousin, Paulina Stout of Massachusetts.
Here and There, edited by Sharon Strakowski. Editor's Note We are sad to learn that Sharon Strakowski will no longer be able to compile and edit the Here and There column for the ACB Braille Forum. We have enjoyed working with you, Sharon, and wish you much success as editor of the Lua Ledger. If you're interested in attempting to follow in the footsteps of Sharon Strakowski and those who preceded her in the role of here and there editor, please send a letter of application along with a resume, references, and two to three writing samples. You may send this application package to Sharon Lovering, American Council of the Blind, 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311 or by email to s-l-o-v-e-r-i-n-g at acb.org. Resumes and other attachments may be in Word or text format. Applications will be accepted through December 1. We hope to announce a new editor for the column no later than February 2020. Please note, this position is unpaid. The announcement of products and services in this column does not represent an endorsement by the American Council of the Blind, its officers, or staff. Listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers. The ACB Braille Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to s-l-o-v-e-r-i-n-g at acb.org or phone the National Office at 1-800-424-8666 and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date. Xavier Society has new website. The Xavier Society for the Blind has recently updated its website, the organization's focus was on accessibility, user-friendliness for those with and without sight, and to reflect on its mission and the people it serves. Check the site out at xavierssocietyforthebliind.org slash. Now available from NBP. Anyone with young children will enjoy Love, I Love You All the Time by Emma Dodd. It's a print and braille board book for preschoolers and up. Join Little Rabbit and her parent as they spend a glorious sunny day together in the meadow. Little Rabbit finds love everywhere but knows that a parent's love is always the best love of all. And who could forget the little engine that could? It's available in contracted UEB braille for preschoolers and up and is the complete original text. Newly available is Manji Moves a Mountain by Nancy Chernin and Danny Popovich. It's available in contracted UEB Braille for ages 5 and up, and it's a true story about Manji, who lives in a remote mountain village where the mountain divides his village from a neighboring village, creating a 36-mile walk to get work, food, health care, and education. See how he creates one village out of two with a hammer, chisel, and determination. Over in the adult section is a brand new book, Dating in the Digital Age, An Accessible Journey for Finding Love Online, by Kim Loftus. 
It is available in Braille, two volumes, BRF, Daisy, or Word. The book takes you through important considerations such as why to date online, how to date safely, and how much of yourself to share and when to do it. The book also digs deep into the accessibility of three of the major dating platforms, Plenty of Fish, Match, and eHarmony. You will learn how to navigate the sites, register as a new user, create an enticing profile, take available compatibility tests, personalize account settings, communicate with potential matches, upgrade in order to access additional communication tools, and much more. For more information on any of these books, call NBP toll-free at 1-800-548-7323 or visit tinyurl.com slash ydxlc numeral 3 sa Waterproof Shockproof Watch Blind in Mind has a brand new waterproof talking watch that is fully accessible to a blind person. Press the button on top to hear the time. Set and configure all functions by listening for spoken prompts or clearly differentiated beeps. If you have some vision, activate the built-in backlight by pressing a single button, with or without the time-speaking feature. It is designed for men and women and comes in a reusable tin box with a large print quick start guide. The instructions are also available on the website in a fully accessible text-based format. For more information, visit www.blindinmind.com or call 1-800-213-4567. Seeking Alumni from Bloomfield I'm looking for some alumni of Camp Bloomfield from 1965 to 1973. One of the people I'm looking for is Winona Kennedy. I would also like to reconnect with the counselors and specialists from that time period. Contact Walter Chavira at 661-748-7249 or Facebook message him. Life Coaching Available after spending well over a decade in corporate America and nearly as long as a practicing psychologist, Dr. Linda Bollet of Reading, Massachusetts, has decided to parlay her consulting and clinical skills into life coaching. Dr. Linda Bollet promotes the optimal health and well-being of her clients by applying evidence-based professional practices that take a client's unique values and preferences into account in order to achieve excellence in all areas of the client's life. She is the founder and CEO of Capable Whole Life Coaching Incorporated. For more information, please contact Linda Bollet at 617-699-4611, email l-i-n-d-a-b-o-l-l-e at c-a-p-a-b-l-e-c-o-a-c-h dot com or visit her website at www.capablecoach.com. Mary Kay Products Alice Crespo has just started a Mary Kay business. If you are interested in purchasing some perfumes, contact her at 917-696-8115. 
If you are in the New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut area, she would be happy to come and visit with you. Mention the Braille Forum and she will donate 20% of your order to the ACB Braille Forum. How to Access Hulu's Audio Description Tracks ACB's Audio Description Project has instructions available for accessing Hulu's audio descriptions. Just log in to your Hulu account from a web browser, click on the gear icon, and pull up the subtitle and audio menu where you'll see an option for turning on audio description. On the Audio Description Project, you'll also find a list of the programming that currently has audio descriptions available. As of now, there are four titles, all Hulu Originals, available. Around the Way, Fire Fraud, The Act, The Handmaid's Tale. Check out the Audio Description Project's Twitter account for updates. More State Handbooks Available Christine Shakin has created 45 screen-reader-friendly resource handbooks containing resources pertaining to the blind and visually impaired for use by consumers and professionals. Handbooks include contact information on the local, regional, and national levels. States available now are Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Washington, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Handbooks are available in Microsoft Word, PDF, HTML, Microsoft Word, and rich text format. You choose the version you'd like and it will be sent to you via email attachment. If you need a hard copy large print version, contact Christine via email. I-N-S-I-G-H-T-F-U-L-P-U-B at G-M-A-I-L dot com. Be sure to tell her which state's handbook you need or phone her at 808-747-1006. High-Tech Swap Shop For Sale Two Windows 7 laptop computers and one desktop computer loaded with Vinux in excellent condition. Asking $300 plus shipping or best offer for each one. For more information, contact Rena via email bluabirdo at hotmail dot com or via phone 305-932-932. 8856. Wanted. I am looking for a VTech cordless phone with a speaker, preferably in good condition. Contact Tanya Smith at 1632 Perry, P A R E E Street, Newport, Michigan, 48166. Phone 734 586 0417.
ACB officers. President Dan Spoon, first term 2021. 3924 Lake Mirage Boulevard, Orlando, Florida. 32817-1554. First Vice President Mark Reichert, first term 2021. 1515 Jefferson Davis Highway, Apartment 622, Arlington, Virginia, 22202-3309. Second Vice President, Ray Campbell, first term, 2021. 460 Rain Tree Court, Number 3K, Glen Ellen, Illinois, 60137. Secretary Denise Colley, first term, 2021. 1401 Northwest Lane, Southeast, Lacey, Washington, 98503. Treasurer David Trott, second term, 2021. 1018 East Street South, Talladega, Alabama, 35160. Immediate Past President Kim Charlson, 57 Grandview Avenue, Watertown, Massachusetts, 02472. ACB Board of Directors, Jeff Bishop, Kirkland, Washington, first term, 2020. Donna Brown Romney, West Virginia, partial term, 2020. Sarah Conrad, Madison, Wisconsin, second term, 2020. Dan Dillon, Hermitage, Tennessee, first term, 2020. Katie Frederick, Worthington, Ohio, second term, 2022. James Crott, Miami, Florida, first term, 2022. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia, first term, 2020. Patrick Sheehan, Silver Spring, Maryland, second term, 2022. Michael Talley, Hueytown, Alabama, first term, 2022. Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California, first term, 2022. ACB Board of Publications, Debbie Lewis, Chair, Clarkston, Washington, Second Term, 2020. Paul Edwards, Miami, Florida, Second Term, 2020. Zelda Gebhard, Edgeley, North Dakota, Partial Term, 2020. Susan Glass, Saratoga, California, Third Term, 2021. Penny Reeder, Montgomery Village, Maryland, First Term, 2020. Accessing your ACB Braille and eForums The ACB eForum may be accessed by email on the ACB website via download from the web page in Word, plain text, or Braille-ready file, or by phone at 605-475-8154. To subscribe to the email version, visit the ACB email lists page at www.acb.org. The ACB Braille Forum is available by mail in Braille, large print, NLS-style digital cartridge, and via email. It is also available to read or download from ACB's webpage and by phone 605-475-8154. Subscribe to the podcast versions from your second-generation Victor Reader stream or from www.acb.org/bf.